Hey there, my name is Joe Keyport, and you're listening to the Ear Coffee Podcast. This week, I talked to Andy Campion of the band Obstructionist. After a few growing pains, the melodic punk band is back from a hiatus to release their self-titled debut album. Listening to the record was a total nostalgia trip for me as a teen who grew up listening to skate punk and hardcore. The band is releasing their first single off of that record today called Knives. So once obviously you've finished this podcast, you should go check them out immediately. It's Obstructionist, right here on the Ear Coffee Podcast. Andy, how's it going here tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Of course. So before we always jump in, I've been asking uh, bands and people who play in bands kind of what their um, what their their like log line is for when they have to describe what their band does to people. You know, you always have like that family member, that friend who doesn't usually pay attention, but they're like, "Oh, cool, you make music. What kind of music do you make? What 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 is your go to like one sentence, two sentence like response to that, so that you're not just like, so you can just kind of get it out of the way and move on." Ah, uh, good question. I I think I think we'd probably consider it like, I I, I usually like to say like fat rec chords, ninety skate punk meets like minor chords and kind of like a My Chemical Romance vibe mixed with like Ride the Lightning and <laughs> Wilhelm Scream and propaganda probably mm-hmm. propaganda is probably like if propaganda was a genre then i'd say that but yeah. um i think it's more of like melodic punk rock hardcore type stuff gotcha um so before we you know jump into like the band talk to me about your history getting into music leading up to you know when we when you started or got into the obstructionist Definitely. Um, so I think I think the love for music really started with my dad, honestly, because I was I was raised in like a household where my dad was always playing music all the time. Like I remember he whenever he'd come home from work, he'd always have his like iPod in the living room with speakers playing music all the time while he was reading. So I pretty much was raised on a lot of um, definitely not like <laughs> in the punk rock vein, but it was like old school country like Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. But he was also really into like big band stuff and jazz and like a lot of you know, classic rock, typical dad rock stuff, you know. But yeah. um, yeah. I think I think for as far as like my influence goes for like the music I'm playing now, I think it really started off with like Green Day, honestly. Kind of like what I think what most people say, like their gateway bands, like you know Green Day and Metallica and all that type of stuff. Like I kind of just like went head over heels for that type of music immediately, and then um, it kind of snowballed from there. Like I just like started to try to discover as many bands as I possibly could within like the metal and punk rock genres. And like, it's, you know, it kind of started off from that sort of nineties pop punk and then it just sprouted off into every other type of genre. So it kind of, I kind of, I think it kind of snowballed from when I started listening to green day. Okay. And, um, okay. you know, you know, I started to fall in love with like no effects and like propaganda mm-hmm. and, um, it, and I was really into like eighties hardcore, like black flag and the circle jerks and, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, kind of all started from there. And then I ended up meeting the guys in my band right now and they kind of had a kindred spirit for that type of music as well. So it kind of went from there. What was your jumping point to go from, you said, you know, it snowball as you're like, you're trying to find more music and you're consuming more. What was that jump from like, you know, green day is not, is like, not, it's within the same world of like a band like black flag, but what was your jumping off point? Was it like a like a family member who gave you like a record, like, hey, listen to this? Or was it more like 
you're listening and suddenly like, oh, what's this? And what's this? What was that 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 band that moved you from pop punk into like 80s hardcore? I think Black Flag was definitely yeah. the the pivotal band and like kind of moving on from like pop punk to, you know, I don't, I don't know, the gatekeeper sounding <laughs> legit punk, you know, quote unquote, yeah. you know, but yeah. like, yeah. So I mean, it kind of, yeah, I remember I was in like, I think junior year of high school and I was riding the bus home from uh, school and I listened to Damaged for the first time from Black Flag mm-hmm. and it just like blew my mind. Like, and, uh, and from then on, I just started getting in, really into that type of music. And I started like watching like documentaries on YouTube about punk music and, you know, and all the, you know, all those geriatric punks on those documentaries <laughs> are talking about the glory days and all yeah. those bands. And yeah. so I'm kind of just like, it kind of, I started like catching on to that type of music a lot from like those types of documentaries. And like, you know, once you hear about Black Flag then you hear about like Dead Kennedys mm. and so on and so on. So I went from there, but yeah, I think Black Flag was definitely the first pivotal moment nice and since i don't always talk to black flag fans what's your favorite era of the band vocalist wise was it keith morris rollins des that's a great question (laughs) question. um i i i really appreciate the henry rollins stuff like but like beyond like the slip it in album Mm. i'm not too big into it like i really like damaged through to my war and then slip it in but like otherwise i really 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 like like the nervous breakdown EP yep. with Keith yep. Morris. Like I'm a huge fan of his band off Yep. and you know, the circle jerks. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, I really like all the eras of the band. Not, not, not so much their newest one they got going, but like, <laughs> um, I think Henry was Henry Rollins, probably my favorite. Okay. I respect it. I respect it. Uh, <laughs> so then were you playing in bands alongside or at least playing music? Well, while you're going down this path, of, of of punk music or were or was what became the obstructionist was that kind of your first foray into playing live um obstructionist was definitely my first like um starting moment to playing live music but um i was playing guitar for quite a maybe i think three something years before that mm-hmm. and um it's it's kind of funny because like I was uh, my dad actually signed me up to these guitar lessons in New Richmond from this guy named uh, Bernie Wallenberg and he was giving me some private guitar lessons and um, I met a guy um, at our lesson and um, I noticed a bunch of like punk band guitar like stickers on his guitar case and I was like hey we should jam sometime and he's like yeah cool and and uh and he's so he's my friend zach he um used to play an obstructionist and we Mm kind of like founded the project together and um but uh we started this little this band of ours like with the name tundra kids at first like it was the title song off of a no trigger song okay and like and um so it kind of started off like sort of somewhat of like a pop punkish project like we were really into like a wilhelm scream and narwhals and no trigger and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so like um but then we were like yeah we got to find a full band and we started writing more songs that were a little bit more dark and less pop punkish so then we kind of uh we found these uh our lead guitarist eric and a drummer named uh, eric herman and we kind of started obstructionist from that and then like kind of established um tundra kids into obstructionist but yeah that was definitely my like gateway into playing music live i think that was in about 20 early 2018 i believe Okay. So okay. how old were you when you started playing out? Were you still in your teens or? Um, I think I was like just turning 20, okay. 21, 21, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. 
just I, old enough to get uh, playing bars and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. so, so what was that transition like kind of moving into that kind of darker, that more melodic, hardcore, uh, place the band was, was playing in? Cause, uh, I was reading through that little, that bio you sent me and, uh, you, you mentioned that that first EP you put out disbelief in 2018, I believe was, was written by, was written by Zach. It was more the, he, he had wrote, written it and put it together and then you all learned it and recorded it. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. So like, yeah, I came. So like Zach and I, when we were starting like hundred kids, we wrote this song called expectations and it was very much like about living your own way and being yourself. And it was more of a catchy poppy type of song. Mm -hmm. And then he had this other batch of songs, which ended up being pretty much the entirety of the disbelief EP that we put out as obstructionist. And, um, at the time him and I were kind of going through our like, you know, like sort of edgy atheist mm -hmm. phase in a way. So it was a bit, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I got mixed feelings about it, but I mean, like it was good to get out of our system, I think. And, you know, we, uh, um, so we put out that EP called disbelief and a lot of the songs was kind of a sort of like a, kind of like a angst about like organized religion at the time and how we perceived it and how it was, how we thought it was affecting the world and everything. But, um, yeah, so that with that message in itself, it started to get a little bit more dark. But I mean, the songs were at the same time kind of catchier and sort mm -hmm. of in that '90s punk vein. But um, um, after we put out disbelief, um, Zach ended up moving to Sioux Falls, so he ended up stepping out of the band, and um, we ended up kind of going through some lineup changes because he was our bass player and our vocalist. Right. So we had right. to you know, find a bassist and a vocalist after he left the band. And um, we kind of just started from scratch at that point because um, I think, yeah, like I think like all the songs on that disbelief EP were his basically, and he wrote them. So, you know, after he left, it was kind of time for us to all write our own music as, you know, myself and our drummer and our lead guitarist together as we tried to find a bassist and a vocalist. And um, so we ended up writing a full um album at that point and we're kind of just like trying to establish the lineup and we're pretty we're pretty much set at this point but we got it all recorded and ready to go and but yeah i think the the full length album is a little bit is less like political and edgy i guess and it's mm -hmm. more of like the lyrical themes for it are pretty much about like carrying on with life and perseverance and discipline and like trying to keep a positive attitude and spread it to other people who are you know otherwise let down and overwhelmed by how the world around us is like right now so um we just wanted to make something that wasn't necessarily like commercially accessible, but I mean like lyrically accessible mm -hmm. where like anyone who's maybe going through a rough time could listen to it and be like, yeah, I understand this message. And it's not quite as like antagonizing as, you know, disbelief was at the time. But, um, yeah. Uh, with, um, with, with Zach leaving, and were you all already like working on music individually or at least trying to write for the band or was it something like Zach, you know, is like, I'm, I'm, I'm heading out and you were just like, well, what do we do next? Is it now we try to put some songs together and continue that project? What was that kind of that moment like for the band? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, I think we had like, we each kind of had our own little song demos, like before I ended up getting like, how to learning how to use like reaper and mm -hmm. like home recording equipment i pretty much just like used voice memos on my phone to record riffs and stuff and uh you know i'd send it to our group chat like hey what do you guys think of this and then you know our lead guitarist eric would 
be able to record stuff on like logic and our drummer had like a midi kit that he could use and we kind of like compiled all these like instrumental demos together but i think we maybe had like three or four while zach was still in the band and we were you know like zach was actually writing some lyrics for them too but like then um he ended up moving away um and so we we kind of had to agree that it was time to move forward and um so like i think like another five or six songs were um came about after the fact that he left but um yeah but i mean it was it was it was one of those things where yeah we were kind of questioning like what do we do now like i feel like we kind of felt like our whole reputation that we had as like a band that just got started was kind of a lot of it was it seemed like it was his project but at the same time you know like i wanted to keep it going because like i was so um like enthralled by how good of musicians that our lead guitarist and our drummer was so it's like i don't i can't like pass this up mm -hmm. you know so we i wanted to keep it going and they all wanted to keep it going as well because we kind of started like i i do our artwork for our band and we, we were trying to like get this like like an image going and like we had all these like songs that we were really working on so it's like we're like this is we we really believe in this and it's not like the kind of thing where we want to just you know throw it in the garbage and be like yeah like forget about it so we wanted to keep going after that and i think that's i think we did that pretty well at this point yeah yeah with, uh with the fact that you had you you had the momentum going where what was the did you consider just like starting a whole new band with just like leaving at least the obstructionist you know name and image behind and just keeping the band like the players you had just something different or was that ever a possibility for you or was it just more we have the momentum we have the name we have like you said the image like let's just let's just push um we yeah we honestly kind of just wanted to move forward and we like all of us after we kind of uh, had that conversation with uh, parting ways and all that at first we we kept persevering and tried to figure out some lineup changes and find musicians who were kind of into the same influences as us to so we could have a good writing process and move forward but um yeah i think we, none of us really came to any point where we're like oh what what if we like scratch the name and then just put these songs into a new project mm -hmm. we we kind of just wanted to keep the obstructionist thing going and um so it pretty much just uh stayed its course honestly and we kind of just like tackled the barriers as they came and um got to the point we're at now so yep cool well talk to me about your your self-titled record you you kind of touched on it a little bit with just kind of how you wanted to move away from uh disbeliefs just antagonistic and a little more nihilistic uh approaches at times as you were you know processing those things well, talk to me, like, what was this, the time frame you were writing this record as, like, yours, was it within the last year, couple years, or what, what was, what were you, how are you working on this stuff? And Yeah, sure. So we, um, we pretty much started writing these songs, I think, I think in, like, early 2019 or something, and we, uh, we, we wanted to go in a more, I, th I think, I don't, I don't want to say less poppy, because I do enjoy, like, catchy music and mm -hmm. everything like that, and we all do. But like we wanted to really, really focus on the songwriting as a collective group and kind of see how we all operate as songwriters together instead of having like one person write the music and then we all learn it. Um, so this was kind of like our sort of our like proving ground in a way, like to see how we operate as a band and write songs, because this is the first time where um, uh, Herman and Eric and I were writing songs and we were all looking for like a bass player and a vocalist too in the process. So um we were pretty much just re 
like refining our songs like crazy because we were also searching for you know a bass player and a vocalist and we pretty much have that secured right now but um at the time you know we were focusing a lot on those other two missing components but at the same time we were just like honing these songs that we've been sitting on for a long time like you know a month would pass by and we'd listen to the demo so many times it would be like okay well what if we like add this little motif mm-hmm. or this little thing or you know so we we just spent like over like almost like two years just like refining and refining and refining these songs till they got to the point where we were like really happy about them and um then we ended up finding um a vocalist um, named pat barrows and uh he he so he's plays in shot memory right now but it's he his music is sort of like what we started off doing like it was sort of like the pop punk skate punk type of thing but he's super cool and he's got a lot of energy and like he wrote the lyrics to the songs that we have got now and stuff and that we're going to be releasing and it was cool he just brings a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the band that we both are really really into so that's been pretty cool so yeah yeah but that's pretty much the gist of it yeah i think like the theme overall of the new album is like about perseverance and moving on forward with life even if the world feels crappy you know yeah. like like i said like that ep that we put out before was very much like nihilistic and everything like that but it's like there's still kind of the gloominess to the new album that we're putting out but at the same time it's like so how do you overcome that instead of wallow in it and feel self-defeated about it you know? so we just wanted to move into a more positive direction i guess it's it's funny because i the way you talk about it you it sounds less like your um it was like if i listening to it in context or listening into context of how you kind of talked about the writing it's it's definitely not this but listening through it it kind of almost felt like a COVID album at times based on like the whole like we're in this together we're gonna see through it people are kind of trash at times and but the way you describe it it's just like it's it's obviously not were the lyrics written more toward throughout 2020 or was it more just those were yep yeah they were it was i yeah that's a good good way to put it actually like a covid album it very much was like a product of that like you know the whole because we were going through some lineup changes Mm. and trying to figure it out and everything and then uh when pat came in the band as our vocalist like he wrote the lyrics during like lockdown and we we weren't even able to rehearse together and he would write like record lyrics and make demos for us and send them back and then we were once we were finally able to get back into like the recording studio and get the vocals done then that was a different story but like yeah it was very much i think like a covid album like a lot of the songwriting was done remotely you know even before <laughs> covid happened like we would just record little riffs and demos on like reaper or logic and send them to each other and you know edit the wave files and do all this stuff so it was very much like a remote process for quite a lot of it even before covid but i mean i think i think covid did maybe bring some kind of an inspiration i guess to the lyrical part what pat might have brought into because it's very much so like this world is a shithole right now but you know the what we can put we can move forward and be do our best and don't put others down while you're trying to you know get back in into the game and all that so yeah but i mean that's pretty much the whole gist of that the track the invisible hand which is like i believe on the the record is the second to last song is that a holdover from the from disbelief it is yeah so that was so the invisible hand was one of the songs that we actually did right 
pretty much all together mm-hmm. when i was with uh when zach was still in our band like he um he wrote everything else on that ep but the invisible hand was one of the ones that instrumentally we all contributed to as well so we we kind of wanted to do like a re-recording of that song because we really liked it you know i thought lyrically it was cool to have like at least one sort of like political song in there you know too and so um yeah, so like I figured, you know, why not like record re-record this song cuz I wasn't super happy with the recording that I had with our first EP. So we're like, yeah, why don't we just re-record the song and kind of, you know, bring that older style of obstructionist back into the new one that we're doing and sort of at least try to vary up the sound of the album in a way because it's a little bit more straightforward than some of the other songs, I think. But Yeah. Did you yeah. record the your your first EP yourselves, or did you go into a studio for that one? We we did record it ourselves. Yeah, it was it was very like DIY and like you know learning the ropes of everything. Mm-hmm. Like this was my first time ever doing anything recording. Like I literally before that I was just playing guitar in my room and like you know I, I knew absolutely nothing about recording or anything like that. But my uh, um, my buddy Zach was really into home recording at the time, and like the other guys were a bit more experienced with it as well. So. Um, we, it was funny because at the time our guitarist was like teaching music at this like, uh, music school place. And like, they had like a stage where we had practiced. So they would let us come in at night and like record in their rooms that are like full of like sound pad, mm-hmm. sound padding and stuff. And it was, but it was super DIY, man. Like it was crazy. Cause we, uh, pretty much just used like, I think like axe effects or bias effects for the <laughs> guitar tones and like the drums were recorded off like MIDI pads and like. It's super like synthetic when you think about it, but at the same time, it was fun to just make something like DIY. And like, I remember we made like, like a couch pillow fort thing to like isolate the vocals tracks, and we recorded like we recorded it in like a pillow fort to like muffle out the yeah. you know acoustic sound when we were making vocals. So it was it was a pretty fun process, but it was like I think I think I learned a lot from that and like what to do you know next time but at the same time it was it was really it was really fun and like I had a lot of fun memories with that one. Did you do anything different to Invisible Hand to kind of to breathe a little fresher or some newer life into it to make it fit into the the debut record or were you more just let's let's just take it and put it in there with what we have now? Um we yeah we pretty much like just took it and re-recorded it and like played it exactly like we used to and how we would do it live and um i think i think pat has a few like you know different like vocal inflections and stuff here and there but like i think other than that like yeah like instrumentally it's pretty much the same and the lead guitars are the same and like it i think it's just like the production value is better so like that's kind of like how i like to view it as different i guess but Mm -hmm. um at the same time yeah we we just took the song and re-recorded it like the exact same way it was before and kind of put it back in the this new album so yeah i i did want to ask knives is the first single for the record which will be releasing as of recording this tomorrow august 4th um so what 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 about that song did you want to use as the the re the introduction the reintroduction to obstructionist what out of all of the ones on the album uh yeah, so I think we chose that because we um I think playing it um excuse me, playing it live was probably like the funnest one to do cuz like it was um I th- I think it like really cuz I think actually now I think about it, that was the first song that we wrote like together. Mm-hmm. 
like as like kind of the new whole like chapter began for the band like that was like the first song we wrote together basically and um it kind of had like a sort of like a no effects vibe that we were all kind of into as well yeah. so it's like I, I think I think we just really chose it because we thought it was like the catchiest and like we really liked the drumming on it and like I think I think it's like not so like busy or crazy like where it would just kind of like be too much or too just weird I guess as an introduction to like be like hey we're a band again like we have music here it is you know you haven't heard our music for the first time since like 2018 <laughs> like we just wanted to think, we wanted to just like put something that was like a bit more. I don't know if straightforward would be the right word, but I guess something that was just a little bit more focused on like the songwriting and like, like less is more type of a way, because it's like a lot of the verses are just like two chords and there's like, it's, it's a little bit more simple than the other songs. So, but there was also the catchiness vibe to it. And I think lyrically it kind of just encapsulates like the whole theme that I was mentioning. Mm -hmm. Like, like the whole point of the song is about like, moving forward and facing life and tackling the day and not wasting your life and living every moment like it's your last basically so like yeah this pretty much sums up the lyrical the lyrical concept of the album so we kind of just decided on that like yeah i don't really have many particular reasons i guess but it was kind of just like yeah we thought it'd be cool so we put it out it was knives like that that first song that as a band you you wrote together and it was kind of like a we can do it like was that the song where you kind of realized you could do it as a band was Zach is leaving? Yeah, we could. Yeah. Cause like, it was funny when, when we very, very first started doing it, like I wrote a lot of the guitar parts for the song with him. Um, and uh, like on his laptop and at the time he was living in St. Paul, but it was very, very shortly after we ended up moving. So like, but uh, yeah, I pretty much wrote a lot of the guitar parts and then like he ended up sending me the demo files that we had so far before he moved in. So we, but we, yeah, but that was pretty much like the inception of like the new, like era of the band and our new songwriting direction. And yeah, so it it pretty much went from there. Like, I think the song, yeah, the song, I remember like specifically thinking of like Comeback Kid a lot when I was Mm -hmm. writing that song and like sort of those like big chords, almost like borderline like metalcore sounding chords that just like are super like wall of sound. And I was like, yeah, this would be like a cool sound to do moving on. So, that's kind of like the whole start of that. Gotcha. When were you playing? So then were you playing out over the recording of this record as a band? Cause when did, to like, so people, uh, you, cause you mentioned like, uh, you'd played this with one of the knives was like a song you really enjoyed playing live. So during that kind of hiatus, were you trying to between the two releases? Were you trying to play out then or? Yeah. Um, a little bit. We, so like, Kind of like I said, we kind of went through like some weird lineup changes because there was a point where we did find a vocalist and we did find a bass player. And that bass player ended up recording the bass for our album that we're about to put out and everything. But um, the vocalist ended up like kind of just like wanting to move into a direction that we weren't really necessarily into. Like he was he was definitely more into like the hardcore vein, Mm -hmm. like like not really much into the melodic side of stuff and more of like the clean singing parts and stuff. But like he, I mean, I, I like, don't get me wrong. I love hardcore music, like Bane and like nails and stuff like that. But that was very much like um his direction that he kind of wanted to take it. And I, and I think like when COVID was coming, like we were like sort of like saying like, maybe we shouldn't practice for a while to be safe. And like, there was just like some, 
some some little clashes in direction and creative focus. So he ended up actually like moving on, and he is actually just playing it. I think in another band right now. So, um, but during the time when he was in our band, yeah, we did play like a gig or two. I think like at Cadence Records at one point. Like, um, I think Palmer's Bar. I think too. I think we played like two gigs or something. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the only times we played live, like during that whole hiatus, really, because like. Before, because yeah, I mean, we were we were trying to find like a vocalist and stuff mm-hmm. for the longest time after Zach left. So it's like, but once we did for a while, like we did play a few gigs, but then like, you know, it, we kind of went back to square one again. So yeah, so very very little gigging in between, I think. But all right, I know I'm a little all over the place with the questions I'm asking, uh, but I, I did want to ask about the final song, End Times uh because you like the the specifically the way that song ends because as you know as we come into the final song everything's it's very kind of dour um but it ends on a very like ethereal note with that piano organ string thing that's going on at the end where it's like a good like you you like you, you're not sure how to feel at the end of that song or at least i wasn't the handful of times i've managed to listen i've had time to listen to it but like where does he hit that moment? It almost feels like everything can slightly be okay or, you know, what, who, who was that? Whose idea was it to end the, the record that way? Uh, that would have been our lead guitarist, Eric. So Eric is, his background is really cool. So he, I think he went to St. Thomas, I believe for music. Like he is like mm-hmm. a professional music teacher and like, he's really, he's got a really good ear for like good chord progressions. And like, he does all the guitar solos on the album. Like I do all the rhythm guitar and stuff like that, but um, but yeah, when we were writing end times, like I I came up with like the the riffs and like pretty much all the guitars like uh, during the fast parts of the song, but like towards the end, he came up with like that chord progression where the bass comes in by itself and like the keyboards and all that, and um yeah, so that that was pretty mm-hmm. much him. Like I think that was really just like his some somewhat classical background and like he wanted to do something that was kind of a weird contrast because like the beginning of the song and end times it's like super fast and just like somewhat shreddy riffing and stuff like that but then like (laughs) at the end of it it kind of just like we're like how do we bring this to the ground i guess so so he he pretty much came up with like that melody going on that kind of keeps repeating with like the the bass and the guitar solo and then like the organs kind of come in so I'm not, I'm not, yeah, like, it's kind of funny. I remember he just showed up to practice one time. He's like, oh, check out this new mm. little thing I added to the end of song. And, like, I was like, that's super cool. Like, I never would have thought of, you know, like, organs or synths and, like, the type of music we're playing. But it was it was pretty cool. But, yeah, that was, that was pretty much all Eric's idea. So. Did he add the little flourishes to the invisible hand then, too? Because, like, that, that, because there's, it was, it because the original recording didn't quite have that. And I was, that's what gave me pause was like, is it just two different names? Like the songs are connected or is it the same song? Oh yeah. Yep. So he, yeah. Like, I guess there were a few like, little flourishes and stuff you would add in, like, you know, just like little like twinkling notes in the mm-hmm. beginning intro. And like, so I think like some of the harmonies on the lead guitar parts might be a little bit more expansive than they were. But um, it's been so long since I listened to the first original recording of the Invisible Hand. Like I had a hard time comparing. But uh, it's uh, yeah. But he definitely for for every single song. Like like I wrote a lot of the songs on this new um, album. But like he, they just would not be the same without 
like Eric and uh, also Herman because they are so good at just adding these little like flares that just make everything catchy and like mm-hmm. more interest more interesting music wise in the songwriting wise because like I'm very much like into like riff driven type of stuff but they bring like the like the r- proper chord progression knowledge and like you like yeah like the little synths here and there mm-hmm. and like the harmonizing and stuff like that so something I could never do by myself so. They, I think they add a lot of character to our music. So, yeah, uh, you went into fourteen forty nine, fourteen fifty nine studios to record this one. Was that you like your then your first proper time recording music in a studio, or did you manage to get yeah, in there before? Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, I don't know if I think I think the other guys in the band like had more like studio experience and stuff like that, or, or at least recording experience. But um, yeah, we went to fourteen fifty nine. And, uh, like, they do a lot of, like, metal bands. Like, I, like, their whole repertoire is, like, a lot of, like, death metal and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, like, we're going into this. So, I'm like, I dig the idea of a metal production style. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I don't know if what he's going to think of us because we're, I like to call us a punk band. So, yeah. it's like, I don't know. Oh, this, this punk band comes into our studio. But, you know, but he was super cool. His name is Will. And yeah, he runs 1459. And uh, it was just like a small studio, and like yeah, we recorded and tracked all our instruments in there. And uh, but yeah, that was like my first studio experience. Like it was really cool. Like it was one of those things. Where it's like I never realized how like humiliating oh, <laughs> recording in a studio is. It like, is. It's, it's yeah, like it's super cool. Like but like in a good way. Like yeah. in a really awesome constructive way because I feel so much better as a like recording knowledge, but also just like playing guitar and like. Playing, t- trying to play tight and everything because I remember it felt it reminded me so much of like obviously that like documentary with like Metallica recording the Black Album with like Bob Rock and stuff mm-hmm. like that but like he's like this like super harsh producer and is just like like that takes sounded like shit do it again <laughs> you know yeah. it's very, I mean Will at fourteen fifty nine was not like that harsh or anything but it reminded me of that because he would really like to like push you to like do your absolute best take and like. He he wasn't the kind of person where if you did a very like loose take on a song or a loose guitar riff, he wouldn't, you know, he, he still had the guts to like say it to you. It's like, this isn't going to sound good. You should do it again. And like, no matter how many times you, you know, didn't get the take right, he would be like, oh, it's just like a little tighter in this area. And mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm really happy about that because I think like the music just wouldn't be the same without like him as a producer, sort of like pushing our abilities to be as tight as we possibly can. And. So I'm I'm happy with the end result from that studio. It was really it was a really cool experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, yeah, I I was in my first like proper recording studio over COVID, and just like hearing yourself back in that context is such a like oh I am not as good as I accept, as I thought I was in this room. Like just trying to be like all right, I got I got to up my game in the best way possible right now. Exactly, exactly. Like it was it was cool. I mean like. At least at, when we went to the studio, we we had all the songs really down by heart, and mm. we didn't like improvise or do these weird little additions in the studio or anything like that. Like we, like we showed up, like we're okay. It's like we're on a time crunch. We're paying money. Let's just like really play our guts out with this thing and like do it our best shot, you know. But um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't take super long. But yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those experiences where I think it really helped us all grow as musicians and like, you know. Dude, going into a studio for the first time was intimidating, of course, but at the same time, it was very much, I think, like, it was a great experience. Absolutely. Uh, well, do you have, like, a favorite, 
like memory or moment from like putting you know the first your self-titled debut together whether it was writing or being in the studio or anything like that does there like something come to mind when you think about it yeah um kind of just a couple i mean i, I don't know about specific moments necessarily but it's just kind of like the the i guess like the the feeling the, the feelings you'd get like just through different like courses of life during the band i guess because i remember when what well so when zach did leave it was really you know it was really hard and depressing because i mean zach is like my best friend to this mm-hmm. day we still talk all the time but like at the time we're like what, what do we do and then like it felt very i guess um invigorating to kind of like move forward and uh like i felt i had more confidence in myself to like move forward with the band and like having like um being able to write our own songs for like the first time as a band was really cool. I think too. I remember specifically coming up with like the riffs for like end times and, uh, and um, soft and gray in mm-hmm. knives and like all those songs. Like I remember like the specific moments in time where I was coming up with those riffs. I'm like, yeah, this would be super fun. And like, I think, I think the, honestly the entire process of building this whole project again was like, it the whole thing has been great like i absolutely love playing with music with those guys and practicing like our little practice sessions are always super fun it's like always my highlight of the week to go play music with them and honestly honestly the entire experience i just like with this new album i'm just like loving every second of it like i'm happier than ever with the music and everything that we're doing um but i think yeah like it was funny um so eric our lead guitarist and our drummer Herman, they used to live in a house in Minneapolis, kind of near Riverside. Okay. And uh, we would practice in their basement and stuff. And it was super crammed and like super, like we were playing on like little practice amps because we couldn't haul down our amps down that janky staircase that they had. So it was <laughs> like, it's kind of like just those little, like, you know, we're just hanging out as friends playing music moments like that, I think are the best and they never get old for me. So. Absolutely. Uh, do you have yeah. a release date for the record or are you still holding on to that one? Yeah, we do. So um, the record will be out on September 16th, I believe. But yeah, yeah but the single Knives is uh, August 4th. So, yep. And then last few questions here. What what are your what are your plans moving forward? I'm excited I get to ask people what they're what they're doing coming up instead of just like, well, COVID's existing. So what's the yeah. what's what's the plans moving on now that you got you got your record in the can? It's coming out soon. You got a single coming out by the time this this airs. Like, what's what's next for Obstructionist? Um, I think I think right now I think our primary goal is just kind of like reestablishing ourselves again, mm-hmm. like kind of trying to reclaim any hint of <laughs> relevance we ever <laughs> tried to make back in the day when we first started. Because you know when we put out that EP, we were just getting started, and then like a few months later, it kind of just went back to square one again so we're i mean we're we're barely just getting our footing in the door right now so i think right now it's just we're trying to connect more with like artists in the scene like i've been trying to go to shows more and like there's a lot of bands in the scene that i really 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 respect like heart to gold and mm-hmm. pierre and grandma and like that type of scene so I, I don't know i just i would love to play shows with those types of bands like if any of them are listening right now like hit me up yeah <laughs> it'd be super but uh, yeah, so like we're yeah we're just trying to like connect and play more shows, and uh, we're we're just finally establishing our lineup. So we're just trying to get the songs tight, and then we're just gonna try booking shows and possibly reach out to some like DIY record labels maybe and see if they like could help us promote our stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you said you've been going to shows. What was your first band back then you saw? Ah, uh, 
like is like DIY show. You mean like lo- like local bands or? or just just any band you saw whatever last since now shows can be we can go to shows again. Yeah, sure. So I just um, like a week or two ago, I went to um, it was uh, at Part Wolf. They had a uh, Tight Wire and In Lou and Victor Shores playing. Yep, that was such a fun show, and it was like I think all those bands like it was pretty much like their first show since covid and like the whole place was like packed you know and like it was it was such a great feeling like mm-hmm. honestly like i mean just like seeing that again and like that was the first show i went to before since like before covid happened so like it was it was a really cool experience nice yeah so yeah. that was a stacked bill i didn't i didn't get to go <laughs> myself but it looked sick it was uh, such a good lineup. Like it was, it was so cool. That was my first time seeing uh, Tight Wire as well, which okay. I'm also a huge fan of. So I don't yeah, think was- I don't think I've seen In Lou play. I love In Lou, and I've listened to Tight Wire, so I don't think I've ever seen those bands perform. But they're uh, good. They're they're so tight oh, yeah. and so yeah. Um. Well, then finally, here, where can people connect with Obstructionist online, listen to your music, and uh, find you guys on social media? Totally. Um, so we, so yeah, we have Facebook. It's sh- I think it's just should be obstructionist. And then we also have Instagram and Twitter, um, Twitter it's at, um, like it's obst band, <laughs> like <laughs> O B S T band, like, like just a short way to do that, I guess. But, um, yeah, so we have Twitter and, uh, Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, just like DM us or something. And, uh, yeah, that's how you can get a hold of us. Cool. Well, Andy, I thank you so much for coming in and wanting to chat with me about your music. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. I appreciate it. The Ear Coffee Podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name. If you like this episode, please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ear Coffee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>